Good evening, Lafayette, and welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. It is your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by our friends just around the corner, 1212 Ambassador Caffrey, talking, of course, about Service Chevrolet. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet. They can help you meet all of your automotive needs. And joining me in the studio is personally my favorite representative in the state legislature, although I. The favorite I've, one that you have, right? The, fa- the one that represents me, my favorite overall, although to be fair, it's a very short list, especially given last week. Uh, it Obviously, I mean, you, you spent an hour on Moon Show this morning, so you've gone over a lot of it already. A lot of folks have probably heard it already, but wanted to get you in. Um, for any part of the Lafayette audience that, that didn't uh, get to listen to it, uh, and, and really I wanted to focus less on the congressional maps yep. and more on the closed primary issue. So it's... We go in, and I know that, that you were actually the one carrying the bill for the House side, and it was your bill. You put it forward. The House gets it through. It goes to the Senate, and things seem to start unraveling almost immediately. Yeah, look, I mean, let's kind of go back a little bit. So first of all, you know, this was certainly a, a major priority of Governor Landry, um, and I really appreciate him hitting the ground running. I mean, mm-hmm. he's coming in. Frankly, I told him um, a few days ago, man, I can't wait until we really start looking into – some of the different agencies and, and ways that we can be more efficient with agencies, because if he was this excited about pushing a major policy this quickly, um, I think it's going to be a great four years. Um, but, you know, look, I mean, this is something that that I also very much believe in. Um, you know, I don't know if anybody really knows my background, but I know, uh, Joe, you and I have talked a mm-hmm. little bit and, you know, I've, I've worked in a lot of other states. I've worked um, in some campaigns and other issues and stuff like that in other states. And so I've seen a lot of these types of systems. And, um, you know, I got picked on a little bit in the media for um, saying that most other states use a type of party primary system. And uh, I was not trying to misrepresent that they all use closed, but Mm -hmm. it is actually a factual statement that almost every other state has some type of party primary system, Mm -hmm. whether that's open, closed, semi-open, semi-closed, whatever it is. So look, I mean, I think that Louisiana has an incredibly unique way of doing elections. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, having personally experienced a lot of other ones, I think that this way works better. I I don't disagree. The the closed primary system, I think, benefits Louisiana, especially given, I mean, we're not... We're not one of those big, highly populous states where you get a, a high number of, of voters that you want each side. I'm big on representation. I think yeah. that the pe- that people need to be represented by their choice in a jungle primary system kind of strips away some of that true representation because it's very easy for somebody who says they represent you to go to a group of people that don't represent you and they can win based on that. A closed primary system gets you closer to the true goal of better representation for your ideas and then to see it kind of get watered down over the course of the session, uh, it's disappointing to an outside observer like me. From your perspective in the legislature, how how, how would you say it went yeah, down? Yeah, so let me, let me try to defend it a little bit because I, I know that there's a lot of folks who are disappointed mm-hmm. out there and, and feel like maybe we, we didn't try as hard to keep it in its original form. You know, Joe, as long as I've been there um, – any major piece of legislation that's that's a massive lift, I don't think I've ever seen come out mm-hmm. in its exact original form. Right. Um, so, because you got to remember, I mean, 
I have to get 53 people in the House to agree with me and 20 people in the Senate to agree with me. And there's a lot of different voices and stakeholders. And, and I don't think that's necessarily bad. I think that, you know, if, if, there's any, if there's any one thing that you want to push through without any other voices being heard, then I guess we can go to dictatorship. But I think mm-hmm. I really like the form of government that we have. Right. So, so, look, I think that uh, I think what we ended up doing worked out quite well because, frankly, where we started, so the, the governor really had a strong desire to start this in 2024. Um, and that would have been awesome. I think any time that we can get things rolling quickly is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the timeline and because of the the map situation that we don't have quite settled yet, mm-hmm. um, it, it was going to be a little bit tricky um, to pull it off this year. And so that that's why the decision to go with plurality, which would be the highest vote getter, mm-hmm. instead of majority in the primary was made. But once we once we worked through the process a little bit and we realized that it was probably going to be maybe a little difficult to pull it off this year and still, you know, really keep the safety and security of our elections intact, um, I think that, uh, you know, we were able to go back to majority. Uh, so, so in the primary, you have to get 50 percent mm-hmm. plus one. Um, so that would trigger a runoff if nobody got 50 percent right between the top yeah. two. So I feel much more comfortable with that. I think that's the best way to go. So I guess, you know, in some ways, some people look at it as being watered down. Mm-hmm. Like I, I look at it as, you know, we put this bill out there. We heard from a lot of stakeholders, a lot of different people. And I think that um, going with majority and making sure that we have plenty of time to implement this properly is great. Um, also, as far as the 2020, we, we could have started next year, but mm-hmm. of course, most of the um, most of the offices that were in the bill are not really up for yeah. election next year. Um, and, you know, a huge issue in the Secretary of State's race um, was talking about a new voting system. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think we have plenty of time to go through that process, get that, implement that, and then also um, we'll be able to, to, to move toward these closed primaries, which I think is going to be great. So is there a chance that in the regular session or anything like that, this maybe gets revisited or was this like, this is it for this year. We got to wait another year to try again. No, I look, I I think that, I think we can absolutely continue to have the conversation. I mean, look, as as you probably know, and and, and a couple more things that I think people um, were frustrated with Mm -hmm. were were the amount of offices that came out of the bill. Mm -hmm. And I completely understand that. I was also frustrated by that. Um, You know, we started with, um, we started with the, our federal races, mm-hmm. um, uh, judicial races from Supreme Court, Court of Appeals, district judges, statewide, the legislature, PSC, and Bessie. Um, what ended up coming out was our federal races, PSC, Bessie, and Supreme Court. And look, I, I think I think once people start understanding what we're trying to do here mm-hmm. and really understanding how this is going to be implemented, I think it will be. Um, I think we'll have a clearer path to maybe put some of those offices back in there. Um, you know, I said on Moon Show this morning, I'm extremely interested in continuing to work on that in this regular session this mm-hmm. year. Um, so I, I and look, I, one piece of feedback that I heard from some of my colleagues was about this being quote unquote rushed through. I also I don't really agree with that either because. Look, there was a task force that was set up, I believe, in 2021, mm-hmm. and, and they met several times and had several public hearings. Um, so this is something that's been debated. A bill was brought last year 
um, by Senator Sharon Hewitt that dealt with closed primaries. Mm -hmm. So this is not anything new, um, and I look forward to continuing the debate on that. I think that anything that attempts change is going to always be considered rushed by the people who want the status sure. quo a lot more. But I, it, it sounds like, and, and at the very least, I, I know that, that you probably realize, like, the frustrations of a lot of folks who are clearly wanting something more, and they feel Absolutely. like that, totally uh, that. It, it feels like our side gave up a lot more than they got in, 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 in the end result of the bill, which I know that you've defended and that it's, I know Moon hates the phrase, but a step in the right direction. Uh, we, we do have something, I think those federal races, especially one of them coming up in a few years, I know everybody is kind of wanting a, a closed primary for, but. Look, man, I think you got to remember, we completely changed the way that we do elections in this state. Yeah in the first week of work for mm -hmm. a new governor and a new administration. And I get it. It wasn't perfect. Again, I sincerely wish it would have had more offices in there. Mm -hmm. But I think, one, I, like I said earlier, I think once people start getting used to it and understanding what it means and, and the actual mechanism of, of voting and how this works, I think it's going to make it easier and easier because there's going to be even more public buy-in. Now, I, I do also want to address the issue. Sorry, I mean to cut you off. I just wanted one more question. Was it too ambitious to go for it in the first week of the fir of, of the first term? I don't think so because we got it done. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> so, so look, I mean, again, I, I realize that some people disagree that, I mean, I, I had some people tell me, oh, it would have been better to, to just totally tank it and do mm -hmm. nothing. Um, I just disagree with that. I yeah. just, I'm, I'm excited about what we got and I think we can get more. All right. And, uh, before we started cutting each other off, what were you were going to... Well, I just wanted to address there was one other issue uh, with the unaffiliated voters. And so yeah. I wanted to kind of explain that a little bit because mm -hmm. there was a lot of questions. Um, there was some concern from people about uh, unaffiliated voters voting in the primaries. Yeah. I just want to be clear. So Republicans vote in the Republican primary. Mm -hmm. Democrats vote in the Democrat primary. If you're no party or unaffiliated, same thing, you can pick which one you want to participate in. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people very concerned saying, well, this is the way that Democrats are going to come in and influence Republicans' elections or vice versa. Right. That's not the case because mm -hmm. it's a Democrat cannot go vote in a Republican primary. Republican can't go vote in a Democrat primary. Mm -hmm. It's only those unaffiliated voters who can walk in and choose. Um, it's not a pure open. I, I would call it a semi-closed primary. Yeah, and that's from the beginning I said I would be okay with that one. And that just – it, it kind of goes back to one of the basics of – well, I want to make office. sure that Moon can go in and vote for me. You right, know? I mean, exactly. I, don't, I don't want him to, pr to deprive him of that. So. It, it, it just <laughs> it strikes me as this is a, this is what we've been talking about for years, that politicians have to go and win the independent voters. And this is the way this yeah. clearly is a, a sign that you can do that if you can get more independent voters to go vote in a Republican primary than in a Democrat one. But we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this maybe talk about the congressional maps just briefly. Uh, Representative Julie Emerson, who is uh, chair of the Ways and Means Committee and my representative in the legislature. I represent uh, all of KPL. <laughs> all of KPL, basically. We'll be back in just a sec here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. But before we get to our break, I do have to mention our pest of the day, and we're going to go over to the New York Times for this one. Our dear friend Paul Krugman tried to compare Joe Biden to Ronald Reagan. And as you may or may not suspect, it actually didn't turn out all that well. 
he tweeted this out uh, over the weekend. For people who say that Americans care about the level of prices, not the inflation rate, note that the cumulative inflation under Biden is so, is so far is close to the number under Reagan, which is why Reagan lost the 84 election in a landslide. Oh, wait. Except, except the obvious difference to this is that Reagan inherited a 13.5% inflation rate, so voters gave him more slack. Biden inherited an inflation rate of 1.2%, and then it spiked to 8%. So Paul Krugman, Nobel Prize-winning economist, is once again absolutely insanely incorrect. And that's what makes him our J&J Pest of the Day, brought to you by J&J Exterminating, Louisiana's largest independently-owned pest control company. Find them online at jjext.com. Sorry. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show. I hit the wrong button. I turned you on before me, Julie. Sorry. Uh, anyway, this is the Joe Cunningham Show. It's the 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Acadiana's number one Chevy dealer nine years in a row. Talking about our friends at Service Chevrolet. They have it all. You can check them out either on the lot at 1212 Ambassador in Lafayette or go to servicegm.com and see what all they've got available. It's not just the new and used cars. And by the way, they're getting more inventory every day. It's the fact that they've got parts and service right there. Uh, they've got the Body Shop, Collision Center, Fine Line Custom Auto. They've got the wash. They have everything you could possibly need to meet your automotive needs. Go check them out. It's an absolutely huge selection. Check them out online if you like anything you see tonight. Maybe later this week, go check them out. Uh, see in person all the vehicles right there on the lot, all the services they provide. And don't forget, if you are military uh, first responder or teacher, there's special pricing because you have done a great service in serving our nation, our community, and our kids, and they want to thank you for that with a special pricing opportunity. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet over at 1212 Ambassador and ServiceGM.com. All right, Representative Julie Emerson uh, here with us. Got a little bit of time left, so I want to kind of jump over to the other issue you guys addressed in this legislative session uh, the congressional maps. Looking at it, looking at that horrendous scar across the face of Louisiana, I can't see a way that this doesn't get cha- at least challenged in the courts. Well, I, honestly, Joe, I would tell you that about literally any map we ever drew because we're Fair. just at that point. Yeah. Um, I think in our in our country, really. I mean, you're just seeing um, the, all of these redistricting fights are carrying over to the courts. So. Yeah. You know, all I can tell you is I know everybody's got a lot of different thoughts on this, and I do get it, but, you know, as as a legislature, we sincerely felt like we had one of two options. Mm -hmm. We either, the the federal judge asked us to draw a map Mm -hmm. with two majority BVAP districts, black voting age population. And so we had a choice of her drawing it, or the legislature elected by the people drawing it. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I know there's a lot of people, I heard from a lot of them that said, y'all need to stand up and, and say no or do this or that, do that. And, and that certainly was an option. But on February the 5th, she was going to draw a map if we didn't send mm-hmm. her one. Um, so, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with you at this point that pretty much every map, no matter which side it's coming from, no matter what it looks right. like, is going to be challenged. Um, you know, and it, it just ends up being a court battle and it's in the hands of the ju- judicial branch now. And 
the legislature has done their job, even though it may have been uncomfortable for some. The the one thing that I've I've kind of maintained, especially in the in the back of my head, and just kind of looking at at polling trends and and stuff like that, not just here but across the country, is that a majority black district doesn't necessarily mean a Democratic district if Republicans can find the right policies and the right things to appeal to those voters. And I think there's enough disgruntlement well, uh, right now to maybe make that happen. Yeah, and look, I think that's exactly right. I think that we we, we draw these lines uh, a lot sometimes just as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it certainly is incumbent upon, um, you know, I'm, I'm a Republican and it's certainly incumbent upon me and and a lot of my uh, Republican colleagues to uh, to present our policies and, and win people over to our side, because I think we do have a winning message. I think right. you're right. Representative Julie Emerson joining us today. Thank you very much for coming in and uh, just giving us this recap and, and, and your side, the legislature side. And I know that we're going to have many, many more fights to come, right? Yeah. And look, Joe, just one last word. I know some people were frustrated with the way that the closed primary bill turned out, but man, I'm telling you, just the the attitude and the mood in that building Mm -hmm. is so much better than it's been the last four years. And I know that we can continue to work on this, so I'm excited. Hopefully it is, sorry, Moon, a step in the right direction. Julie, thank (laughs) you very much for joining us. We're going to take this break. We will be back uh, in just a few minutes. you got your commodities report, uh, another set of commercials. And then Ron DeSantis will do that. We will give the obligatory postmortem on all that here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPL app chat. Thank you again very much for Representative Julie Emerson coming and joining us uh, in the studio today to uh Give us kind of a rundown, her perspective on the legislative session. Uh, going to be keeping an eye on the legislature going forward, and I'm hoping to have her back on from time to time to kind of give us some uh, the inside scoop of what's going on in Baton Rouge. All right, so Ron DeSantis, over the weekend, he uh, suspended his campaign for president. There have been roughly 85 Billion postmortems written about his campaign. What went wrong? Why didn't he do better? He he was polling so high, and every, I, I don't really want to get in to all that. Uh, the the bottom line for the DeSantis campaign is that they waited too long to jump in. They tried to do something new in terms of ignoring the media, focusing on social media, it did not work. It ultimately ended up being a far too online campaign. The bigger thing though, and this is what I want to get to. And I'm, I might annoy some of you with it. I don't know. Let's call it DeSantism. We have Trumpism. You also have DeSantism. I've argued for a while that DeSantism is the natural evolution of Trumpism. Trumpism is a no-holds-barred, knockdown, drag out set-it-all-on-fire-burn-it-all-to-the-ground movement within the Republican base. And the Republican base is very much on the side of somebody who goes in, who has not been part of the system, who upsets the system, And actually moves the ball down the field. All things that Donald Trump did 
in 2016. And between 2016 and 2020, Donald Trump had a very successful, from a conservative perspective, administration. Then came COVID-19 and the pandemic, the shutdown of American businesses, the shutdown of the American economy, the shutdown of states. You had a President Trump who was under constant attack from the media, from the left, from all aspects of culture. His social media was a distraction. Ultimately, the American people want to go with the guy who they barely saw. But he was a respected elder statesman of the Democratic Party, and they went with Joe Biden. And here we are now, four years later, four years after that election. And what we discovered is that Joe Biden is not some centrist Democrat elder statesman. Joe Biden is an inept, bumbling fool who does not seem to be very cognizant of his surroundings, does not seem to be handling old age very well, and people are tired of it. Trumpism is on the rise again because the American people, particularly the Republican base, see that the Democrats have weaponized things like the Department of Justice to go after a political foe, and the Democratic Party has weaponized the U.S. economy against citizens. Inflation was done by the Biden administration. People recognize that Biden's policies caused inflation. Biden's policies have allowed the world to get set on fire. Biden's policies have weaponized the DOJ, have turned into a complete disaster in Afghanistan and on our southern border. So Trumpism is on the rise again. Trumpism is the whole system is corrupt. The whole system is being used by the Democrats against you. It's time to burn it all down and start over again. And so that's what we're going to get in 2024. We are going to get a knockdown drag out. You're with me or you're against me from both sides. But Donald Trump is against the entire system as it is, and that's what his voters are going with. Ron DeSantis attempted something new. Ron DeSantis attempted to take the basic tenets of Trumpism, which is to tear down the system, tear down the status quo, and start over. But DeSantism is a more narrowly focused being. Where Donald Trump wants to napalm the field, Ron DeSantis wants to target issues with a laser. And ultimately, with things the way they are, more people on the Republican side felt the entire system needed to be torn down than pinpointing certain aspects of it. One thing that frankly annoyed me 
about the DeSantis campaign, aside from the two online stuff and, and the rabid nature of his own supporters, Ron DeSantis kept running his campaign like he was running his reelection for governor of Florida, but bigger. Kept taught everything he did in Florida. Every I did this in Florida. I did that in Florida. How do you? How are you going to help people in this rough economy? Well, I lowered tolls in Florida. Not everybody has tolls. Not everybody's worried about Disney's Disney parks in their state. Disney having ta- a whole tax that running their own autonomous territory in your in in their states. Iowa did not want to be Florida 2.0. New Hampshire certainly does not want to be Florida 2.0. Even Louisiana doesn't want to be Florida 2.0. DeSantis and his campaign fundamentally misunderstood what people were looking for right now. They love the fact that he is such a successful governor in Florida, and he took a state that was purple and made it solidly red in 2022, the most successful Republican by far, in 2022. But he could not translate that to a national platform. And on top of that, on top of that, Ron DeSantis, he could not get out of his own way. He could not... Aside from the Florida stuff, he couldn't get out of his own way when it came to getting advice. There are several reports now that Ron DeSantis was thought of himself as the smartest guy in the room. And if you disagreed with him and his ideas on how to run the campaign, you weren't with the campaign for very long. He put people in charge who would listen to him, not people who would give him advice. Everybody in a position of power needs somebody who tells them when they're being stupid. Everybody needs that. You may not think you do. Everybody in a position of power needs someone to tell them when they're being stupid or they're being wrong. Ron DeSantis didn't have that. Ron DeSantis didn't have anybody in his campaign who had a ton of political experience, who had years and years and years of political experience, All he had were people who were yes-men. And so anytime he was getting in his own way, anytime he couldn't break through, anytime he got frustrated, there was nobody there saying, hey, hold on, cool down, we got to take the different route on this. Instead, it was a bunch of people saying, you're absolutely right, the rest of those people are idiots. And he couldn't hang. He could not. Now he's, he's bowed out, he's endorsed Trump, he's looking at 2028, because again, Donald Trump's, Donald Trump gets elected, he's immediately term limited. There's no, there's no other race for Donald Trump if he wins in 2024. That's it. So Republicans are going to have to go through all this again in 2028, and Ron DeSantis wants to be at the top of that list. Take a break. We'll be back here on The Joe Cunningham Show. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 is the number. Got a couple minutes left. Want to tell you about, by the way, you can use the KPL app chat to be part of the conversation as well. Got to tell you about my dentist, Dr. Daniel Deku and Associates, uh, thelafayettedentist.com. If you are in need of a dentist, maybe you haven't been in a while, maybe you're new here, 
whatever the case may be, Dr. Danielle Daycoon Associates, they make it so very easy, painless, and stress-free. I cannot recommend them enough. They are my dentist. They can be yours as well. You go check them out at thelafayettedentist.com. You can search the site. You see all that they offer. Your basic dental exam, you get checked up. They get to see what all what issues you might be having, whether it's simple tooth pain, whether you've got some old fillings that are leaking, whether you are grinding your teeth and you just don't know why you're in so much pain. They're going to go over it with you, get a consult, and you can start getting treatment as early as that first visit. It all depends on what you need and what they can do for you. It took me a couple visits to fix the couple things that I had because it had been forever since I'd been in. And man, they absolutely rocked. And again, the thing that makes me so happy is that they take the stress out of any sort of doctor's appointment. I go there, I'm stressed sitting in a waiting room, I'm stressed at any procedure, not at Dr. Danielle Deku and Associates. They take the stress out of it. It's a nice, relaxed atmosphere. You're in, you're out. They get things done quickly, efficiently, and best of all, other than the cleanings, I don't have to go back. They're, they have done such a perfect job. So check them out, thelafayettedentist.com. So before we go for the day, do want to mention one more little issue. Right now, Elise Stefanik is the favorite for vice presidential nomination for, for Donald Trump's running mate. And I'm going to be keeping track of this. My favorite bit of trivia when it comes to the presidential election season is how you can easily determine who the vice presidential nominee is going to be. Here's how. When we get closer to the summer, you're going to see a lot of the names that get floated around. You're going to see their Wikipedia pages start getting a ton of edits. The people who get the most edits are the ones at the top of the list. And here's why. Somebody names you their running mate. The first thing everybody's going to do is go to Google and search for your name. Elise Stefanik, since the beginning of January, has had 40 edits to her page. Sarah Sanders had 10 edits, Tim Scott 9, Christy Noam 8, Kari Lake 7. That makes, Chris, uh, that makes Elise Stefanik the favorite. Now, things could change, but there's been a lot of talk that she was kind of at the top of the list already. We'll probably see something like that uh, continue. He favored Donald Trump favors loyalty, but for a lot of conservatives, her voting record isn't anywhere close to conservative. And there are some there are some folks who have concerns about that. But that's an issue for another day. We're going to take this break. Be back in 23 hours here on the Joe Cunningham show. You guys feel free to follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham show or email Joe at redstate.com. The podcast is going live in a matter of minutes. You can check that out over at Substack. Look for The Joe Cunningham Show on Substack.com. Find it there. If you get your podcast from Apple, Spotify, whatever, be sure you subscribe and leave a rating and a review to help the show grow online. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.